this afternoon. Second John, toward the back of your Bible. Second John. I told the guys, we'll go as the Lord leads, okay? Uh, we'll see if it's one, two, or four. You never know. The Lord has a way of multiplying things. Uh, for some reason, we don't appreciate that, but uh, we'll see where the Lord leads. Uh, Second John, and uh, let's go right there at the very beginning, verse number one of chapter one of the uh, book there. Let's stand together. Second John chapter 1. My voice is still a little bit on the men from that cold and uh, it, uh, it may not make it through force. So we'll see what the, the Lord leads in this. Second uh, John chapter 1. Let's start in verse 1. The elder unto the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth and not I only but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us, and shall be with us forever. Amen. Verse 3, grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk after his commandment. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. Now watch verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Verse 8, look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the good singing today. Thank you for the good spirit of our people. Thank you for our church. Father, I pray that you'd help us now as we open your word one more time today, that Father, we'd be attentive to hear, Lord, not just the preacher, but Father, the Holy Spirit, most importantly. Lord, I pray that whatever the Holy Spirit leads us in, whether it has anything to do with the message or not, help us be compliant with that. And bless the invitation time that as we draw this year to a close, Father, we'll focus on going into the new year armed and equipped with your word, ready in obedience to do your will. And I pray you'd help us with that, with your word today, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I did fail to mention it's going to have the Kings back with us again. Uh, I told our Sunday school class they have dual citizenship. Lord willing, they'll be moving down here uh, early in or into uh, 2024. Uh, they told me, they sent me a text. They said, we want to start the year off in the church we're going to be at at the end of the year. Amen. And so we're glad to have them here. Uh, make them feel welcome. Uh, if you're one of our weirder members, just don't talk to them, okay? Uh, you don't scare people off. No, I said, well, who's weird? I'm not going to tell you, okay? So don't scare off visitors. That's always a good thing. Let's jump into this if we could. Uh, I want you to notice as, as he writes, here as by leading of the Holy Spirit of God, uh, I want you to know uh, there's a great commendation here for something that I want to key in on that's going to springboard us into the message uh, that we're going to leave with you this afternoon. Notice verse 4. Uh, he's not condemning them. Verse 4, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. So this is not a correction. This is not a condemnation. This is actually a little bit of a commendation here at the beginning of 2 John. What I want us to notice this afternoon is as he commends them in where they are at and who they are and how well they've done, he doesn't stop there and be content with where they're at. 
Now, folks, listen, we are Baptist. It is part of our spiritual DNA for us to learn to be content with where we are at. And that's not the good contentment, okay? Uh, there is a good contentment having food and raiment with what God has given you, and you're content with that, and you're thankful for that. That's the good contentment. The bad contentment is when you get satisfied and spiritually stagnant with where you are. Now, I want you to know that is something we are all tempted with. Uh, it's hard to find folks who just wake up every morning ready to learn, ready to grow, ready to be more tomorrow than they were yesterday. We all have that tendency, don't we? Uh, drawing toward the end of this year, uh, you're getting toward the end of the year, you kind of kick it in cruise control somewhere usually around October, right? October, November, you kind of start kicking it in cruise control, waiting for gearing up of the new year. Now, here's the sad thing. If you're not careful this afternoon, uh, that stagnant mentality, that content mentality that is satisfied with where you're at, you say, well, you know what, I'm not too bad. And, and, and you're not. Look, you came back for the 2 o'clock service, all right? You get kudos from me. Uh, good job. I mean, you could have went home and slept off that cheeseburger. Uh, uh, they were telling me they were going to Ward's, and I said, I'm going to go ahead and let you know it's not one of our finer restaurants here in town, uh, but uh, it's good, isn't it? Uh, the, even the grease is good there at Ward's. And, man, you get a full belly. Maybe you went home, got chicken pot pie, and uh, you're like, man, I should stay home and sleep. Uh, if you're not careful, you can do that spiritually as well. You can go into a spiritual hibernation and start the year off wrong. Now, as we read here in 2 John, he is piggybacking off how good they're doing. Verse 4, you're doing great, but then he challenges them about the road ahead. This afternoon, just for a few minutes, I want to speak on the topic of the road ahead as we look into 2024. This is the last church service uh, that we will have this year. Uh, I will get to say when we leave here in a minute, see you next year. Uh, now, obviously, that's just cliche. Now, some church members, that is the case, okay? Christmas and Easter, I'll see you next year, all right? Uh, but I will see you, Lord willing, next year. And if he tarries, and I hope as we go into Wednesday night and then we go right into winter retreat with our teens, Thursday, Friday, come home Saturday, and then Sunday we jump right into this new year that we are already equipped for what we're going to look at this afternoon, and that is the road ahead. And I'm going to give you just a few things that he gave them to help them. Now, notice, if you will, look down, he gives them that commendation. Verse 4, I rejoice greatly. Hey, you're doing good. If you did good this year, hey, thank God for that. But God is not done. Now, notice, he go down to verse number 6. He says, in this love that we walk, and, and this is love that we walk in his commandments, this is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it, all right? So he is telling them to continue down this road, but watch what he gives them in verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. The first thing I want you to see in verse number 7, notice the reminder ahead, all right? He tells them they're doing well. He encourages them to continue on in the commandment. But then he gives them the reminder in verse number 7. What is that reminder? Well, notice there's the danger of deception. For many deceivers are entered into the world. Now, I'm excited about the road ahead. I'm excited if the Lord tarries about a new year. It's a fresh start, a blank canvas. It's an opportunity to reset, get priorities back where they need to be, and start moving forward in the will of God. Now, I assure you, listen. As we move down the road ahead into 2024, the same devil that was in 2023 will find us in 2024. 
all right? Even though you might have beat him up, you resisted the devil, and he fleed away from you, I promise you he will come right back. Now, how does he do that? Well, here's the warning and the reminder for the road ahead. For many deceivers are entered into the world. Now, what is a deceiver? Well, a deceiver is someone who peddles in deception. Deception is anything that gets you away from the truth. Now, here's the command. Here's the reminder. Here's the warning. Beware of anything that pulls you away from truth. Why? Because you might be doing good today, but there's no guarantee you're doing good tomorrow. He just told them right there in verse number 4, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. Wouldn't it be great if we could make our mind up today that we are going to walk in truth and live the truth and do the truth and never have to make that decision again? Wouldn't that be great? It's like making a decision that you're going to go on a diet. And just because you made the decision, you lose weight. Man, that'd be great. You know, I mean... Oh, my goodness. Thank the Lord in keto you can have cheese and meat because I'm a cheese and meat kind of guy. No bread, no pasta. It's so tempting. I mean, look, there you are, and lo and behold, someone takes you to Olive Garden, and you're sitting in there. I don't know if you know that Olive Garden is the home of pasta, and pasta is the home of not keto, all right? You don't get to eat any of that stuff that's in there. And, boy, they come by, and could I offer you the special? What's the special? Well, cheese stuffed tortellini fried in deep fat grease. <laughs> Think it to yourself. Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's got to have something to do with manna. That it's got to be what manna was like. And, and I said, I'm just not sure. He says, look, you, you might better order it because we're running out. People are back there buying it. Do you know what that is? That's a deceiver, all right? You had made up your mind that you're going to do your best and you're going to try to stick with your diet. And here comes along that way. He's doing his job. And he tries to get you away from what you've made up your mind for. Now, folks, look, go ahead and eat the pasta, all right? Not too much, but go ahead and eat the pasta. It's okay. But what you can't afford to do this afternoon on the road ahead is to forget the reminder. What's the reminder? There's deceivers. There's deceivers. Now, Satan is the great deceiver. He's had thousands of years to practice what he does, and he's very good at it. So how do we combat that on the road ahead? How do we get past the deception and stay on the road of truth? Well, if you keep reading, all right, I want you to look down. Uh, look down to verse number 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we, that we receive a full reward. Whoso transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. Notice where he brought them back to. The way that we fend off deception, and boy, it comes. It comes in all different shapes and sizes. Deception will come after you, trying to get you away from the truth and the road ahead of the will of God for your life in 2024. How do we stay on the right path on the road ahead? Well, the answer is there's a word in verse 9. Watch what he says. Whosoever transgresseth abideth not in the doctrine of Christ. He says, look, in order to stay on the road of truth, you got to stick with the truth. That's the way that we keep from getting off the path of the will of God in the road ahead. One of my favorite books, I have it in my office by William Grady, is called Final Authority. Anybody read the book, Final Authority, William Grady? Great, great book, hands going up uh, all over. It's about the Word of God. And it's about the inception of, of the King James Bible, where it came from and how it was developed and how God put all of that together. And that's the final authority for our life. Could I encourage you in the new year, 
as we head down the road ahead together of the will of God for our church, heed the reminder of the danger of deception. How do you fight that? Truth. Always go back to the Word of God. Uh, in our, in our pre-marriage counseling, I had some the other day with the family, and I enjoy pre-marriage counseling. I really do. And uh, in there, these young couples are excited about marriage, and I always tell them, I say, you're going to run into these people that are like, marriage ain't all that. Marriage ain't what it all cracked up to be. I says, don't you let them steal your joy. I said, marriage can be just as great at 50 years. No, I ain't reached 50. I've only reached about 20 as it is in your first year. Be excited about it. So we're in there, and we're talking. I says, okay, who wins the argument so far in your relationship? And it's funny watching them cut their eyes because they both know who it is. Usually it's her is the one who wins it uh, right now, all right? And we're sitting there talking, and I says, look, I said, the Bible says how can two walk together except they be agreed, all right? got to be agreed in order to walk together. I said, but you're not always going to agree. And right now, those young couples, they cannot imagine that. What? Me? Not agree with her? My flower? Me? Not agree with him? My knight in shining armor, and I'm like, it's coming, all right? It's coming. I'm just, I'm just going to say, I don't know what it's going to be about. Here's what I usually ask them. Where are you going to spend your first Christmas lunch at? That's usually what I ask them first. It's usually interesting watching the answers come up. Well, we're going to have dinner at my mom's. Well, I thought we were going to have dinner at my mom's. And then it's on, all right? And then it's on. I'm like, yes, we have cultivated an environment now, you know, to where they're going to get to see the real them, you know. I just slide back and watch it unfold. And then we have post-marriage counseling after that because I started them arguing right there, all right. Now, here's what I told them. I said, the Bible says, how can two walk together except they be agreed, all right. You're not always going to agree with her and, and you're not always going to agree with him. But the word agreement means meeting place, meeting place. You've got to learn to find a meeting place where, you know what, you're not going to budge and you're not going to budge. Find that meeting place. I said, do you know where the meeting place ought to be for you? They said, where? I said, the Word of God. Always let the Word of God be the referee. Always let the Word of God be what we go back to. Why? Because, look, your opinion might be good, but your opinion can be wrong. My opinion might be good. My opinion can be wrong. But I'll tell you this, this is the inspired and inerrant word of God. It will never be wrong. It's always been right. And as we go down the road ahead, heed the reminder about deception. What do we go back to? Well, verse 9 says it's doctrine. Go back to your doctrine. It's amazing. The New Testament, three times you'll find the phrase, be not deceived. Once in Corinthians, Paul says, chapter 15, verse 33, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. All right? Do you know why he says be not deceived? This is real deep, okay? Real deep. He says be not deceived because we can be deceived. Right? Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. All right? So watch this. We say to ourselves, you know what, I can watch that, I can listen to that. Communication is not just talking. I can be around this person, evil communications, I can talk with this person, uh, I can listen to these things, and I know those are not truth, but they're not going to affect me. You've deceived yourself. Why? The Word of God says, be not deceived, all right? Do not allow yourself to be deceived in thinking that you want to be affected by evil communications. You will. Why? God said so. What's amazing is two out of the three times in the New Testament where the Bible says to be not deceived, he's encouraging us not to deceive ourselves. Be not deceived, what does the Bible say? For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Watch this. 
It's easy to convince ourselves, I'm going to get away with it. Most of the time, my deception comes from me. It's not other people. It'd be easy to blame other people. My deception comes from me. You know what? I think I can get away with that sin. I think I can get away with missing church. I think, listen to me, you might get away with it now, but it doesn't mean you're not going to pay for it later. Why? We have a promise from the Word of God, Galatians 6, 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. What we sow, we're going to reap. The other day, I was somewhere, I can't recall where I was at, and uh, I was coming around a sharp curve. I think we were up in Tennessee. Coming around a sharp curve, and uh, there was a sign, and it had a, a, a crooked arrow, and it said sharp curve. Sure enough, there was a sharp curve. I mean, those people up there in Tennessee, no wonder it takes you 30 minutes. We were in... Uh, uh, what was that valley? Weir's Valley. It takes 30 minutes to go like five miles up there because it's, the road is so curvy. Do you know, I could have looked at that map, that sign that is up there, and I could have said to myself, you know what? They just stick those things out there so that they can have something to do. You know, highway workers, they don't have anything to do, so they just put signs up all day. And I could have convinced myself that there wasn't a curve, but I'll promise you I would reap from that decision. Why? Because some of those curves, boy, they, they don't have guardrails. A lot of those places up there, uh, no wonder you guys are moving from Tennessee. Yeah, we don't have that problem here. See? That's another attraction to Mississippi right here. You have no mountains you can fall off of, okay? Just ditches you can drive off in. Listen to me. Number one, this afternoon, the road ahead. What's the reminder? Be not deceived. Why? Well, because deception will get us off the road ahead. How do we combat that? Well, verse 9, through doctrine. So the reminder is there's deception, but thank God we have doctrine. Number two. Look down, there's a responsibility ahead. Verse number 8, the Bible says, look to yourselves. Look to yourselves. That's the responsibility we have ahead. All right? We are living in a society. I, I cannot describe how angry it makes me. I don't get to watch the news very often because it makes me mad. All right? Uh, I told you this morning, there's some things you have to leave behind as you journey down the road. Sometimes I just have to leave the news behind. Why? It messes with my spirit. It aggravates the fire out of me, okay? And just watching how entitled our world is that we're living in. We live in a world that is anti-personal responsibility. It's not your fault. Nothing's your fault. If you don't want to work, well, it's not your fault that you're not eating, even though the Word of God contradicts that all day long. Nothing is our fault that we go through. But I hate to tell you this, that's not how God works. Watch what he says in verse number 8. He says, look to yourselves. Look to yourselves. So here he says in verse number 4, you're doing great. Keep it going. Verse 5, 6, 7, there's the reminder. But then the responsibility in verse number 8 is to look to yourselves. Now, folks, I'm thankful today salvation is a free gift, aren't you? Uh, I'm thankful that I'm not personally responsible to come up with the payment for my sin. I could not do that. Neither could you. Thank God, salvation is a free gift that we receive. But wait a minute. Spiritual growth, isn't that what the road ahead's about? Keep moving. Keep growing. Spiritual growth demands personal responsibility. I saw a video the other day, and I'm going to show you the video. I want to show you a picture in just a second. Uh, I watched this video and I did not believe it was what it was until I went back and did a little research and sure enough it is. There's a bird in this video, and this bird is hopping along the ground, and there's a caterpillar. And the caterpillar is just inching along the ground. Anybody seen the video? All right. Well, you're, you're going to get to see a part of it, all right? And the bird walks up. It's a baby bird. He walks up to the caterpillar, and he opens his mouth. And the caterpillar, like a smart caterpillar, just keeps going. The bird runs him down, stands over him, and opens his mouth again. 
Smart caterpillar keeps going. They keep doing that and doing that and doing that and doing that. The bird and the caterpillar just keep moving down the hive. I'll show you a picture right quick. Here's a picture of the bird, and he's standing over the caterpillar. All right, now watch. Up until now, it's a baby bird. Up until now, that bird has depended upon its mother to put its food in its mouth. And so that bird just sat there, opened his mouth, mama goes, boom, drops it in there, and he eats. Well, now he's out on the street. I don't know what he did. Did something bad, I guess. Mom kicked him out. He's out there on the streets doing the best he can. Hope he's not in New York. He's out there on the side of the street. He finds a nice little grub worm. He walks up to it, opens his mouth. He's expecting that worm to jump in just like it's always jumped in. I can tell you, if that bird does not learn a very valuable lesson very quickly, I hate to tell you, that bird's going to die. Why? Because he's not learning to look to himself. He's just standing there. Hey, worm, hop in here. Thank the worm didn't have enough, uh, he wasn't dumb enough just to do that. He tried to get away. Now, hear me out. I believe today the reason we have so many spiritual casualties, not just in church, but I'm talking about Christians in general, is because we haven't learned the responsibility of verse number eight. Look to yourself. At some point, you got to learn to feed yourself. At some point, listen, you can't just come to church and say, all right, preacher, you throw it in there. Sunday school teacher, you give me that. No, at some point, you got to go home to the curb of your life. You're going to have to start finding those grub worms for yourself and feeding yourself, or you're going to get halfway down the road ahead, and you're going to run out of gas. I'm telling you, wholesale slaughter, I see it in the churches all over our country today. People who have not learned to feed themselves. you got to give it to me. I'm not going to go home and open the Word of God. Hey, you got to tell me. Hey, you got to tell me about this. You got to tell me. Hey, I don't mind telling you. I mean, look, I go past 12 o'clock all the time. All right, we go into overtime. But there's no way I can tell you it all on Sunday. There's no way I can tell it to you all on Wednesday and your teacher on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. At some point, to continue down the road ahead, here's what you got to do. You got to learn to look to yourselves. Think about these scriptures right quick. Jude, first, chapter 1, verse 20. The Bible says, build up yourself. Verse 21, the Bible says, keep yourself in the love of God. First Peter chapter 5, the Bible says, humble yourself. Now, if God tells us to do that for ourselves, I believe he's going to hold us accountable to it. He's going to hold us accountable. You know, Miley's 16 years old. Where are you at, kid? There she is. You move around on me. I don't know where you're at half the time. 16 years old, going on 17 in March. And uh, we get ready to eat. Leslie puts the food on the table. And um, we all sit down, and uh, Miley has her own fork now, and her own knife, and her own spoon. Uh, I don't go over there and sit beside her and scoop it up, and we do there. Now, look, I'm not being cruel, okay? If my kid had a health problem, I wouldn't mind feeding her at all. I'd be glad to do that. Uh, but if she walks away from that table without eating, that is her fault. I'm not chasing her down. And she's old enough to eat for herself. And to feed herself. Now, folks, listen to me this afternoon. Look, after you've been saved a little while, at some point, you've got to learn to pick up that fork. And you've got to learn to do what the Bible says in verse number 7. Look to yourselves. You've got to learn to look after yourself. Take care of yourself. I mean, I, I tell you, folks, you're going to get down the road ahead, and we haven't packed enough provisions. Why? You haven't looked to yourself. That we lose not the things, verse 8, which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward personal responsibility. That's why Joshua said, as for me and my house, as for me and mine, he says, let me tell you what we're going to do. All right? If your family doesn't eat, hey, that's on you. Personal responsibility. 
Then notice the third thing. Guys, we're going to go to three, if that's all right. All right, may go to four, but we'll see how the Lord leads. Let's go to three. If you look at verse number eight, you see that just like with any responsibility, there's a risk ahead. That's number three. Look to yourselves. Why? Why should we worry about this? That we lose not those things which we have wrought. Notice the risk. It's really simple. It's spelled out right there in verse number eight. The risk is losing. The risk is losing. Folks, just because you are verse number four today, walking in truth, does not mean you can't be deceived in verse number seven and lose the things you had in verse number eight. It doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been saved, and how much the Bible you know. It does not matter at all. If you do not take on the personal responsibility to look to yourself, then you're running the risk of losing those things which we have wrought. Obviously not talking about salvation. Talking about the work, the growth. This is why Titus 3, the Bible says, to be careful to maintain good works. You've got to maintain that. I mean, my goodness, our cars have to be maintained, right? Good night. The other night, we were, we were backing away from the airport in New Orleans and backing away. I'm getting ready to take a nap and go to sleep. And captain comes over the headset and says, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to pull right back up to the sky deck because there's an indicator light on our plane. He pulls back up. We're sitting right there. This man comes on. I declare he had duct tape in his hand. Made me kind of nervous, you know. I don't mind duct tape on a fender on a car, but I don't know about an airplane. After a while, he made us get off the plane, and after a while, they got it all fixed, and we got back on, and we, we were safely on our way. What happened? It needed maintenance. It needed maintenance. Listen, we are no different, folks. We are living in the same sin-cursed world where everything degrades. It doesn't get better. You leave something along, it, alone, it's going to go downhill. I mean, your house has to be repainted over and over again, doesn't it? You just love that. Your gas tank, you have to fill that thing up all the time, don't you? Your refrigerator, especially you people who have teenagers, bless your heart. Especially teenage boys, the grubs, oh man, bless them. I've seen their kids eat. You go buy groceries and then open the refrigerator and half of it's gone. What happened? Man, look, things do not naturally get better. They naturally get worse. And believe it or not, because of the flesh that you and I live in, it, the same thing happens to us. You may be a, a verse 4 Christian, but wait a minute. If you don't keep walking in it, and if you don't have the responsibility to look for yourselves, next thing you know, you're going to wake up and you're out of church. I'll tell you, Brother Edwards, he's a pastor. He could tell you time and time again. I have Bibles in my office of preachers who are no longer preaching. I had their Bibles in my office. They were given to me to remind me never to quit. They're in my office. I have pictures of people who, that I serve the Lord with. I have pictures of their headstones. Man, I, I, have, I have folks that are not dead, but they're still alive, but far, far out of the will of God. I know people uh, uh, just this afternoon, listen, about as far away from God as you could be, who once sat exactly where you're sitting. What happened? They decided to take the risk. They said, you know what? I'm not going to look to myself. I'm going to come to church. The preacher's going to give me what I need, and I don't have to do anything in between. No, you're going to lose the things which we have wrought. That's the risk you're running. I remember, I don't know, fourth grade. Fourth grade was tough for me. Uh, I passed, but it was tough for me. I didn't enjoy fourth grade. And I remember uh, I forgot my homework one night, and I got a zero. And I can remember telling my teacher, just as clear as the bell, well, you know what, I'll, I'll make 100 tomorrow, and I'll pull up that zero. Well, I learned a valuable lesson that day. 
that it takes several A's to pull up one zero. Who came up with that idea? I don't know because it ought to be an even swap in my book. But man, it takes a lot of A's. Was it five A's to pull up one zero, something like that, to get it back up where it was? Man, those A's are hard to come by, but boy, they just flutter out the window awful quick when you make a zero. That's the way spiritual growth is. It's hard to get, getting steps down the road ahead, it's hard, growing is hard, maturing your faith is hard, and the moment that you decide, I'm going to risk it by not being faithful, is the moment you're going to begin to lose those things which ye have. Matthew chapter 13, we have the guys who sowed the wheat, and the Bible says, while men slept, the enemy came in. What happened? Well, everybody needs some sleep, but they should have put a guard out there. And while they were sleeping, they risked what they had. And that's when the tares came and began sowed amongst the wheat. So number three, there's a risk ahead, and I'm going to give you a bonus four, okay? This is it, I promise, a bonus four. Look down, if you will, at the end of verse eight. There's the responsibility, look to yourselves. There's the risk that you lose not those things which you have. But wait a minute, let's end on a high note, okay? But that we receive a full reward. That's obviously the reward ahead. The reward ahead. Now, I want you to notice it's difficult, but it's true that the reward is at the end. The reward is at the end. You started there at the beginning. He gave them a reminder about deception and then the responsibility to look to themselves and then the risk not to lose it. And then finally, after all three of those things, we get to the good part. The good part is what? It's the reward. The reward. Folks, I don't know what is on the road ahead for you, what's on the road ahead for me. I don't know everything that's on the road ahead for us. But I do know that it's worth the reward of whatever it's going to be. Why? Because my Bible says, faithful is he that is promised. My Bible also tells me in the book of Genesis that everything he did was good. Everything he did was good. In Sunday school this morning, we were talking about grace and looking back and reflecting upon the grace of 2023. And through all the difficulty and struggles that each of us have individually and collectively, we are here. How do we do that? By grace. And oftentimes, I told our class today, you see grace on the tail end of a trial. You see it there because you're able to look back at the end of a trial and realize, wow, God brought me through that. What was it? Same thing John Newton said, amazing grace that has brought me safe thus far. But you got to get to the other side. That's what the reward is. Notice it's at the end of verse number 8. You see, it's kind of double-edged. You better heed the responsibility, number one, to fend off the risk. But number two, so that you live to see the reward. The reward. You know, Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. I'm training her up, not just so she be- doesn't become a bad person. All right? It's because of what I, what I want her to become and what God wants her to become. Sometimes it's hard. Okay? Uh, it's hard for me to tell her no sometimes. Sometimes it's hard for me to put on my angry eyes and act authoritarian. All right, you're going to have to help your mom out and get in there and clean all that stuff up. That's not naturally what my personality is. Look, I'm not training her and putting the work into her because I just don't want her to become bad. No, I want her to reap the rewards of obedience to God. The reward, the reward, 
I mean, we start thinking about treasure and gold and rewards on an earthly scale. Oh, we cannot imagine the rewards of faithfulness to the will of God and staying on the road ahead, not being deceived, going to the left or to the right. Oh, my goodness, folks, the reward is worth it. But wait a minute, when does it come? Galatians 6, 9. It's a verse I have a love-hate relationship with. The Bible says we will reap if we faint not. I love the reaping part. I look forward to the reward. What did they sing about a moment ago? It's not in vain. It's not in vain. If the Lord built the house, it's not in vain. Oh, I, I'm so excited about that truth. But, but wait a minute. You, you mean in order for me to reap, I've got to sow? Yeah, that's the work. But oh, the work is worth the reward. Folks, here we are. Last service of 2023. Our Bible is officially closed about to close the door in a year, by the grace of God, enter into a new one. There is a road ahead if the Lord tarries, but you better heed the reminder. Just because you're doing good today in verse 4 doesn't mean you can't be deceived in verse 7. And out of the will of God in verse 8, losing all that you've built up. So what do you do? Take personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. Look to yourself. I got my family together, I don't know, it was Thursday or Friday night, and um, we sat around uh, our living room table and had a family meeting, and I told them of things the Lord had laid on my heart in the new year for our family, things that needed to be better, things we needed to work harder at. And in that meeting, oh, it was horrible. I had to tell them that the reason things aren't as good as they should be in our home, now look, they're not bad, okay? Don't come up and ask Miss Leslie, are you okay? Okay, all right. I'm talking about spiritually. And I want my home to be all that it could be. Uh, my daughter, Lord willing, will graduate. You don't have to, but uh, she'll graduate here in a year and a half. Head off to college. Uh, boy, I'm just so burdened that I show her a good example of what a home is supposed to be like before she goes. He said, well, if, I'm sure you have. Man, I need to make sure it's as it's, it's good as it can be. And I said, boy, Dad, Dad could do better in this, and Dad could do better than that. I want you to know that. You know, it wasn't easy looking to myself. Say, well, this is some areas where you have gotten slack in, distracted in. You need to make sure you're setting a good example for the home. That way she knows what kind of husband to look for, right? I don't want her to marry some kind of loser. I want her to be a, an awesome guy, just like her dad. And then I had, I had to tell her, look, I've been doing some looking to myself, and there's some areas we could do better in. Right, Brother Sam? Do better. There's some areas we could do better in. Man, it's not easy, but Watch. By taking personal responsibility, you're heading off the risk. What's the risk? Losing all that you've wrought. You'll lose it. Hey, it's on it, man. There's some areas I could do better in. And man, if you'll head off that risk, you're on your way down the road ahead to the reward. What is the reward? I hope you're not got your mind stuck on stuff. Because what God offers us, peace, joy, contentment, fulfillment in life, that is the reward. It's worth fighting for, amen? I pray that even today as we're closing out this service, God has begun to stir your heart for the road ahead. And wherever you're at on those four things, you'll start strengthening and reinforcing those areas to make sure you reach the finish. Our heads are bowed, eyes closed. Let's stand together this afternoon. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Our pianist is coming. A song is coming. We're going to have a moment of invitation.